Praise God. Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. And I think we've gone into this psalm in the last three weeks, every week, as far as I know. I think we went in when there is a river and we went in about being hidden um, that God is our refuge and our strong tower, our hiding place. And today, again, to be still and know that I am God. So I believe the Lord is speaking something to us. And, um, you know, I was just thinking, like, the opposite of being still is very often what we deal with in terms of fear and terror and things like that. Um, perhaps a racing mind, you know, where you never stop thinking. And I would say that about many of the people that I meet, very sincere people, you know, that... Um, that their minds are going constantly, that they never stop thinking. And um, very often the enemy has caused us to, through traumatic things that have happened, um, perhaps in childhood or some kind of a, a situation that was going on even you know now or as an adult or something we lived through or endured, Oftentimes, those racing thoughts can be very negative orientated, very doom um, or destruction orientated, um, kind of like um, with that your thoughts are always thinking with disaster management in mind. Do you know what that means? Like that, um, that you're thinking, I'll just give you an years ago in like 1980, not sure the mid or late 80s anyway, they just discovered fungi um, like a year or so before, two years before, and they started those boat trips. And um, my, my aunt came home from America, Nora, and her, like she was at this stage in her probably 50s, late 40s, 50s anyway, and my father called down to my grandmother's house to pick her up one day, and my nan said, where are you taking her? And he said, I'm taking her to Dingle, and we're going out in a boat to see fungi. And she said, you will, yeah, see would she fall out and drown. <laughs> and like, I often think of that, that, you know, that's exactly the way we think you know, uh, as a disaster management scenario. Like, what is the worst thing that can happen here? And how do I make sure that I protect myself from it? And in that, that is a racing mind, you know? And it's, it's thoughts of, of negativity and destruction. Oh, just mute you there. Uh, thanks. Um, but, um, so as I said, people can be groomed into those kind of patterns of thinking, that way of thinking, all the things that could go wrong because of all the things that have gone wrong previously. And that we start to frame the future with the same um, stage that, that the past um, encountered at some time. Uh, or that every, that, you know, they have all these filters on the phones now. And so that everything that we see for the future is filtered with the same filter that was the past trauma filter. And so um, I believe like that, that we are not to get caught, uh, you know, caught up in this. And, and that's another thing, you know, that's another way of thinking of a racing mind that one looks at a, a situation and at the potential and of how this might work out and your immediate thought is, I'm not going to get caught the way I was caught before with this person or with, you know, this job or this, you know, whatever it is, even this day. Often people can, can frame their day because of what happened other days. And so we need to break that mindset and um, it's really the opposite of truth. It's the opposite of the truth of God's word. And it's dangerous. And, you know, I think it's the opposite of trust. And so that psalm is calling us there. Be still and know that I am God. What does that mean? It means that everything that God has said is true. And that we either believe it or we don't. And that we have... What have you got to lose by believing it? 
because you've everything to lose by not believing it because you'll get sucked out into the world's way of thinking then and it's that's just down the swanee it's like down the, like with the bath water the way it goes down the plug and it's swirling and it sucks everything down but you know we we do have to make a decision if god said this and his word is true, then I need to believe it and I need to start acting like it and I need to start thinking like that. Because the word says in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So as I think in my heart, that's the life I am going to have. And this isn't mind control or positive thinking. It's actually aligning myself with what God's word says about me and then going and doing it. So, you know, the world will give you self-help books that are all about positive thinking and mind control, but God gives you commands that require obedience. And so there's a difference to calming a racing mind through meditation and chanting and mm, clearing your mind, or there's um, a peace and a stillness that comes by focusing on the fact that God's word says that I will be with you in trouble. I am your fortress, your refuge, your strong tower. You can come to me and I am a safe place for you. You can pour out your heart to me and I will answer you. Uh, you know, and praise the Lord. What that does is, is, is it, it, it causes us to, you know, almost like the way a chiropractor brings a back back into back into alignment, twisting, turning, and moving this and that, and and, the, and those discs and vertebrae are brought back into their correct position. That's what what getting into alignment with God's word is. And I pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, I ask you that you would be here today and that you would speak, Lord, that you would speak to us and speak to our hearts and help us. You're training us to get us out of that that destruction mindset and to get our eyes focused and, and locked on you. Because I think that's something that the enemy is doing is he's causing us to hear things, see things, causing all kinds of, of triggers of things past that are trying to rock people and trying to derail them and get them off of God's path and get them into worry and fear and sort of that uh, disaster planning management mindset of what happens now if it doesn't work out how will I figure this out and what will I do there what's my plan B and my plan C and my plan D instead of of what's God's plan because that's the plan I want to be with and so let's go to Daniel and um, thank you Father for this precious word today and um, It's Daniel chapter 6. But while you're in Daniel, I just want you to have a look at Jan Daniel chapter 2 and verse 22. This was Daniel's praise, prayer of praise. And... I'll read it from 20, Daniel 2.20. Daniel said, Praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness, though he is surrounded by light. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we asked of you and revealed to us what the king demanded. So Daniel had prayed there for revelation of this dream that the king had, that the king wouldn't tell to anybody. And God revealed it to Daniel when he prayed. But I just want to draw your attention to 22 there. God reveals deep and mysterious things. Say deep and mysterious things. Deep and, mysterious. and he knows what lies hidden in darkness. Though he is surrounded by light. Okay, another version says... It is he, God, who reveals the profound and hidden things 
profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. So if you think about this, there's so much evil and negative, bad things happening in the world. And you know, God knows all about them. Everything that has gone on, even in your past, you know, the negative, the hurtful, the traumatic, the awful things, the terrible things that, that we were, that I, you know, I, I hate talking about you here because I know all of your halos are actually neoning. But um, the terrible things that, that you know, where, where I was involved in, in sin and all kinds of badness. And there you, you look at me now as if, you know, but, um, that's okay because God sees you. <laughs> but uh, no, but you know, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And yet, God knew all about that. But light dwells with him. And I've been thinking about this uh, for weeks and weeks. God knows everything. You know, all of the bad, all of the evil, and yet he is holy, yet he is unsullied by any of it. He's uncontaminated and he's undefiled because of his holiness. And how is that? That he can see what's going on in some, you know, place where there's atrocities uh, going on, some, some kind of horrible, awful things happening right now even in the world. All over the world, bad things are happening. And yet, God sees it. And yet, he loves those people. It's his love. that It's, it's his love uh, wherein his holiness, his, his, his power um, is in the love. Because God is love. And love overcomes all. Love uh, forgives. Love holds no account of wrongs that have been done to it. You know, love overcomes all. So the power is in his love. And, um, and uh, you know, so you see that there. He knows what goes on in the darkness, but yet light dwells with him. So the power of the light, and it's something that I see a lot with people who are caught up in the new age. And you see it there even in, in things they write and stuff like that. Sending love and light, sending love and light to you. And it's, you know, the enemy has tried to capture love and light and, and is emitting a counterfeit love and light that is not based on the word of God and that is not based on exposing the truth between darkness and light or good and evil and you know is, is trying to make sort of a, a, a bubble world where oh everything is lovely by me and everything is perfect by me you, you see it a lot in, in, in um, yoga and stuff like that it's where their minds are opened out to, to try and find some kind of a higher power that will, you know, clean out and calm down their minds. And yet all the time, love and light are what dwells with, with God because he is love and light dwells with him. And so I pray that we will really get a revelation of that um, as we go on. But in, in Daniel chapter 6, here's Daniel... Um, now the, the king has changed and it's Darius um, and he appointed Daniel actually because of his great ability there in verse 3. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers because Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. And you see something here like, you know, uh, really interesting is that Daniel was about to be elevated to control uh, the kingdom of the nation whom he was a servant of. He was captured, kidnapped and, and, and brought away uh, in, into the, the Babylonian and the Persian Empire uh, empires, the, those kings in order to you know, they, they took the very finest of what was in Israel and, and they brought them to their nation and, but Daniel had so proved himself to be a man of uh, intelligence and wisdom that now the king was actually intending and putting him here so obviously this ticked off the other guys and so they began searching for some fault in the way that Daniel was handling government affairs but they couldn't find anything to criticise or condemn he was faithful always responsible and completely trustworthy. You want to know how to live to be a, a, a person who honors God? Be faithful, be responsible, and be completely trustworthy. So they concluded, and you know, isn't that interesting, that that's the way he was in, in that kingdom that wasn't even 
that wasn't even his native land. As I said, he was there as a captive, and yet he was faithful, responsible, and trustworthy, completely trustworthy. So the situation or the circumstances that we are in should not matter. If we're working for, you know, someone who you consider your boss might be the actual antichrist, uh, you still have to conduct yourself with, you know, you, you, you need to, to operate um, the way God expects us to, to deal with people. And, and we, leave, we leave that to him. Not that you take abuse, I'm not telling you that, but I'm just saying that the way we behave, sometimes when you hear people moaning and groaning, you know, and we've all done it, about work or about this one or that one, and yet we're in there, we're working there, we've been put there for such a time as this. And that if we change our attitude and look at it as being a field, a harvest field, looking at it as being a place where we can, you know, go and, and, and minister to people and bring the love of God and change the atmosphere in there, Amen. you know, what a difference it will be for us and for them. Who knows what's going to happen? And uh, so that's what Daniel was doing here. But anyway, they, um, they concluded in verse 5. Our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his faith or his religion. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and they go in with flattery. Long live King Darius. We're all in agreement uh, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so that it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. Of course, he got fooled and tricked and deceived. He, he had no wisdom. The only wisdom he had was when he asked Daniel, about things. That's where the wisdom came from, from Daniel and from, you know, um, that side. But anyway, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. It's interesting there. So he went home and knelt down as usual, you know, in kneeling, there's a, a humbling oneself before God, facing Jerusalem. He was, he was facing, you know, the, um, facing God, really, because that's where the temple was at that time. And giving thanks to his God. So that's how Daniel prayed, by giving thanks. And so that made him a very different person to the other guys, surely. You can see that. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So you'll note there that as high a position that Daniel had, he didn't go to the king and say, what are you after doing now? What did you sign that for? I am not going to do that. He didn't argue. He didn't, nothing. He went home and he did what he always did. He leaned on God. And this is about being still and trusting God. So they went straight to the king, reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied, that decision stands. It's an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, you can just see them there with their, their lips salivating at the, at the prospect of this. You can see them, in fact, as... as what the Bible describes as those dogs of Bashan, those vicious uh, dogs, you know, just waiting to go in for the pounce, and here it comes. Then they told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your Majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. Isn't that interesting? 
that Daniel was so faithful in the way he operated in Darius's kingdom and in Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian before him, that that, that faithfulness wasn't a natural, well, I'm not saying it wasn't a natural characteristic, but it was characteristic of Daniel because he was faithful to God. And you see, that's what aligning ourselves with God and with what his word says. And that's why we're being changed from glory to glory. Because the way we used to be and the way that the flesh actually wants us to be, act and behave is how we were groomed, you know, uh, through circumstances or trauma or whatever, or, or role modeling, bad role modeling. But yet, when we're um, really paying attention to God's word and in obedience to him, we look at things a totally different way. We act, we behave, we speak a totally different way. So may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. And that's what he was saying, Daniel, your only hope now is God. A stone was brought, placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. So praise the Lord. Look at that. Will you say that? No one one could rescue Daniel. Daniel. This is it. It's make or break. No one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. An unbelieving Gentile king spent the night fasting for this man. Praise the Lord. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lion's? Daniel answered. Praise the Lord. Imagine that. Picture that scene. That king there. Daniel was your God whom you so faithfully serve, able to rescue you from the lions? And then this voice comes. Here he comes. Daniel answered, Long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. This is really interesting. First of all, Daniel responds in reverence for the king. That king did not deserve his reverence. Daniel had been faithful to him and to his kingdom, even though he was being held captive there against his will and had faithfully worked for him. And your man at the first, you know, the first sign of deception throws him into the den. And yet, you know, this again, it's, it's, it's teaching us the way we need to speak to people, the way we need to treat people. You know, even those that we work for, those that are in leadership over us, those that are even in our government. Okay? And, uh, you know, this is something we all need a good boot up the backside to learn, is that we must, um, we read it there actually in Daniel 2, he sets, he's, or was it, sorry, Sam, um, 46, he sets kings in place. And so our job is to pray for these people, you know, and, uh, and sometimes it's very hard, but we have to. We're called to do it, and we're called to do it with a good attitude as well, because this is what Daniel said, long live the king. That just that sentence alone is enough to, to shape our personalities and the way that we have responded to things in the past. May my God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth for they, so they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. So, you know, the thing is that the word of God says, a curse causeless shall not come. And uh, here, this curse could not come upon Daniel because he had done nothing wrong. He had honored God. And uh, he had been faithful to this kingdom as well. He, you know, he, he did everything that he was supposed to do there, even though he was a slave in that place. Um, and so that's how he was found innocent. But I've just been thinking, you know, that when Daniel was in that den, you'll read there in a minute that the king turned around. Let's read it first. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he has... He had trusted in his God. I think it says in the Amplified that upon careful examination, they examined every part of his body to see had he one scratch on him, and he hadn't. For he trusted in his God. 
Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. And then king, so, you know, that's interesting. And, and that must have given the king hope when he went home that night because when they threw Daniel into the lion's den, they would have heard if the lions had gone for him or they would have heard his screams or his pain and they didn't, you know, which was interesting. But yet these guys, before they even hit the ground, the lions had them and had, had um, torn them apart. Imagine that. So as they were falling, the lions jumped up and started tearing their flesh apart. Good God. So it's a warning as well. You know, it's a warning to us. And I believe it's a warning even to the church. Because there's many churches and many people who profess to be Christians and who act just like these guys, conniving, manipulating, um, you know, vicious. And um, think about what Daniel had gone through that night. You read about what the king went through. Isn't that interesting? That God didn't, you know, when you see movies there and films and stuff, and they sort of, um, they show what's been going on in somebody's, um, situation behind the scenes sort of thing even though something different may be playing out uh, on the screen at the time they sort of show what actually happened to get them there well it, God shines the light on what happened to the king he was fasting he wanted no entertainment and he couldn't sleep but it never says about Daniel it never says Daniel you know hid in the corner Daniel paced Daniel prayed all night but you could you you can know that Daniel was praying but what was Daniel doing I believe that Daniel was being very very still I believe that he was being very still be still and know that I am God I believe Daniel is praying inside in his heart he's you know talking to God but really Think about it. What would you do if you were... If you, what do you see people doing where, you know, those videos you see of them out in the, the outback or wherever and a, and a vicious animal comes upon them? What do you see them doing? You know, you see them being very, very still and if they're going to run away, they start, they start shouting and roaring. But Daniel couldn't run away. He was inside in a den, so there was no running away. So he had to be very, very quiet and very, very still. And we sang it there in that song, Oh, Praise the Name. That verse always gets me, you know, about Jesus, uh, his body bound and drenched in tears. Think about that. They bound him when they took him off from, you remember that? It's in, um, let's look at it actually. It's just beautiful. And I think it's in Mark 14. No, it's not. Oops. Yeah. yeah, sorry, it's Mark um, 15. Mark's Gospel, chapter 15. Thank you, Jesus. This from from verse um, 22 because I think we need to read it and they brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha which means place of the skull they offered him wine drugged with myrrh but he refused it then the soldiers nailed him you see he couldn't have any of the pain numbed the myrrh and the wine, the wine would have caused him to, you know, get intoxicated, make him merry. Um, but the, the myrrh would have caused like a numbing of pain and a numbing actually of the senses. So he couldn't take it. He refused it. 
Then the soldiers nailed him to the cross. Imagine driving a nail into somebody's wrist, driving a nail into somebody's feet, and standing up that cross then. They divided his clothes and threw dice to decide who would get each piece. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. A sign announced the charge against him. Very like Daniel, there was a charge made against Jesus. It read, the king of the Jews. Two revolutionaries, or two murderers, I think, or two robbers, is it? what are they, uh, revolutionaries, There's in different translations. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Ha, look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests and teachers of the religious law also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross so we can see it and believe him. Even the men who, crucified, who were crucified with Jesus ridiculed him. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Then at three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema shambakthani, which means, that's a really bad um, way of pronouncing that, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And I would encourage you to read and regularly reread Psalm 22. Because that's the first line of it. But you know, I don't believe that Jesus just recited the first line. Because in his heart, maybe he, you know, for every breath he had to take, he had to tear his feet with the nails on his feet to raise himself up on the cross in order to grasp some breath. And so, but in his heart, and again, up on that cross, you know, apart from when he was moving to try and catch his breath, I bet that Jesus had to remain very, very still because of the pain. Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling out for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. Wait, he said, let's see whether Elijah comes to take him down. In actual fact, that thing he held up to him was what they would use to clean the toilets and the sewers. It was so where they would have, you know, where they'd go to the toilet there, they would have this um, cloth wrapped in vinegar to kill the parasites. And um, so it was a sewer cloth they handed him as a mocking again. Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. And the temple and the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And I just wanted to say again, because this is on the podcast, that um, I shared a thing there on the, the Facebook page, the church Facebook page, Word of Victory Christian Fellowship Killarney, um, a few days ago now, I guess it was. Um, but it was a man explaining uh, the name of Yahweh and that God's name, you know, is Yahweh. And um, it was just so beautifully done by him that he said, you know, that... Yahweh, the, the, the consonants and the vowels in it are in such a way as to not need any kind of pronunciation or lip movements. It's actually a breath. Yahweh. Yahweh. And what he said, which I thought was so beautiful, when a baby's born and that baby comes from the mother's womb, the first thing they look for is that child to take their first breath. Yahweh. And when somebody dies, and Jesus here, it says he breathed his last. When somebody dies, the last thing they do is take that final breath. Yeah. Anyway, praise the Lord. That's, uh, you know, who is like you, O oh God? So the, temp- the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the Roman officer who had stood facing him saw how he died, he exclaimed, This man truly was the son of God. He he was so impacted by the moment that the Savior, the Word of God, the Lamb of God um, died, gave his his last breath on that cross, that that man was, was saved through that experience. Some women 
who were there watching from a distance, including Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger, and the Joseph and Joseph and Salome. They had been followers of Jesus and had cared for him while he was in Galilee. Many other women who had come with him to Jerusalem were there also. It's interesting that the women stayed and the men ran, except John. This all happened and on Friday, the day of preparation, the day before the Sabbath. As evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, I just think this is one of the most poignant and beautiful things. Joseph um, of Arimathea, who was a, a Gentile and, um, and who believed in Jesus, um, took a risk and went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Joseph, oh sorry, no, he wasn't, a, I'm sorry, he wasn't a Gentile. He was, I'm sorry, that was my mistake. He was an honoured member of the High Council and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. I'm sorry, I don't know what made me say that. Pilate couldn't believe that Jesus was already dead, so he called for the Roman officer and asked if he had died yet. The officer confirmed that Jesus was dead, so Pilate took Joseph, and how he confirmed that was they stuck a sword in his side. You remember that, it's in the other gospel, that blood and water spilled out, so all of his organs had burst. The officer confirmed that Jesus was dead, so Pilate took, told Joseph he could have the body. And this is just this line. Joseph brought a long sheet of linen cloth. Then he took Jesus' body down from the cross, wrapped it in the cloth. Imagine that. You just see that, that dignity that he was giving, the saviour of the world. When people pass away, the undertaker comes and they very, very gently deal with that person's body. They give them great dignity and they... They bring their bodies away and they, they get them ready for, for the funeral. You know, and Jesus, the Son of God, the Saviour of the world, had lost all dignity up on that cross. And now Joseph was, was bringing dignity for him. He took Jesus' body down from the cross, wrapped it in the cloth and laid it in a tomb that had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone in front of the entrance. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where Jesus' body was laid. And so that's what we sang, you know. Uh, his body bound and drenched in tears. They laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy stone. Messiah still and all alone. All alone inside that tomb. Waiting for God to raise him from the dead. He was still and waiting and trusting God. So what is being still really? I think that it is trusting God. And, you know, to have the hope. Jesus knew, um, and I think Psalm 22 lays that out and somewhere else I was reading this morning now that I just can't remember, um, where, where Jesus had that hope that he was going to be the firstborn from the dead. And so that's how all of us can face this life and death, knowing that God is faithful. And just as he raised Jesus from the dead, he has promised to do the same for us. Amen. And so, you know, when you think of it and when you sing those kind of songs and, and you know, that last verse of that song says, um, he'll come again. What's the first line of it? Um, uh, last verse. Um, and on that day, and on the yeah, on the third year, no, and it was again. But then, there's the, <laughs> the final one anyway. It's it's talking about when 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 um, <laughs> I'm after bamboozling myself now. I just can't think of the first line of it. The final verse. Um, break it down. I'll have to sing it. Yeah, and then the next one. There's another one. I just can't remember it. Praise the Lord. Um, I'll have to... Oh, God. This is gone. Two ticks. He shall return in robes of white. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. He shall return in robes of white. Um, read it on. 
Amen. Amen. Um, and I will arise among the saints, my gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. Think about, think about that picture. Will you, will you just come here and sing that for me for a second, just with it? You don't have the guitar, just come. And on the third, or not on the third. He shall return. He shall return. You have to come closer. He shall return in robes of white. Blazing sun shall pierce the night. And I will rise among the saints, my gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Ray. <laughs> yeah, that's the promise we have. We have a, a living Savior and a living hope. And so that is why... You know, what I was speaking about at the beginning of, of the, the sort of the disaster mentality, we need really to boot that out. We need to be vicious with it Amen. and to watch out for the negativity and to be still and know that he is God, that Amen. he is in control. And so what the change is, is that his word causes us to rejoice because that's what our future is. Our future is blessed on this earth to be able to live a life uh, that is fulfilled, a life of purpose, a life, a life of, 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 you know, uh, God's creative imagination. Imagine the plans that he has for you, that he has for you alone to carry out. Um, Aileen said it there actually on Thursday night that she'd read it somewhere or heard somebody saying it, that, you know, God needed one of you here on this earth for this time. And so that's why he made you, and he made you unique. And then to know that you do not have to fear. And you, you know, the thing that, that, cruci- or that um, paralyzes people most is the fear of death. So if you know that, that God is faithful and that just as he raised Jesus from the dead, just as he delivered Daniel out of the lion's den, in the same way, you yourself, um, like we sing that song, uh, and I will arise uh, among the saints, my gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. And a few couple of weeks ago, um, Brendan gave that testimony, that beautiful testimony of being with his uncle in his last hours and seeing his, you know, uh, his, his body transitioning from death to life, uh, you know, uh, as he went on into eternity. And you gave a beautiful testimony, Brendan, that his, you started singing um, at the cross. Is that right? At the cross. And that you noticed his breathing started to change. And that then the man who, who had been, I suppose, in an unconscious state, uh, raised up off the bed. And, and his eyes that were turned to the back of his head for all those hours suddenly faced forward, looking in front of him. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Am I saying it right? And, and that that man raised up off that bed, looking and, and saw, because we had prayed for that, that, Lord Jesus, would you come for him? Um, uh, and um, he laid back down in that bed and he breathed his last. He breathed his last and went on to be with the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so that promise is there. He's not gone, you know, um, those ones that have passed on before us, they are not, they are not, you know, somewhere lying cold in a grave. That's just the earth suit they needed to live on this earth. They're alive with God. And that is the hope we have. We have a living hope. And we are, like First Thessalonians chapter 4 says, 4.13, we are not to grieve like those who have no hope. And so hope is what ignites joy and hope is what ignites fearlessness. And like, yeah, fair enough, there may be a situation going on that is quite scary or quite intimidating. But what we do is we, you know, we come back to the word and we seek God and we say, Father, what do you say about this? You show me here. And um, like we read their scripture a few weeks ago in Ecclesiastes, I think it was chapter 8, and it says, there is an appropriate procedure for everything. There is a way to do everything. And like we read in Daniel chapter 2 today, 
God reveals the deep and mysterious things because he knows what goes on in the darkness and yet light dwells with him. Amen. So praise God, amen. For breaking bread, we'll just go to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53 and verse 2. My servant, this is speaking of Jesus, grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief and pain. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses, our pain, that he carried. It was our sorrows, our griefs, that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced. He was pierced for our transgressions, our rebellion. He was pierced. They, they put the nails into his hands and his feet for our sins. He was nailed to the cross for our sins. He was bruised and crushed for our iniquities, for those things that have troubled us, those things that have come down generations, those things that have caused grief and sorrow and pain. They're the iniquities and the trauma. And he was beaten for them. He was beaten, bruised and crushed for our iniquities. He was beaten so that we could be made whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. And sorry, I, I must have skipped that line there. Sorry, he was beaten so we could be whole. And by his stripes, we were healed. Amen. He was whipped so we could be healed. And so we take this bread and this cup today, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And this bread is symbolic of your blood, of your body, Jesus, that was broken uh, so that we could be healed. Amen. You were whipped. You were bruised. You were beaten. You were rejected. You were mocked. You were despised. You were ignored. You were, you were left there all alone, Jesus. And you did that. You were completely broken. You gave your body willingly so that we could be healed in our bodies, in our minds, in our hearts, in our relationships. And so we take this bread today. We say this, Lord Jesus, I take this bread in remembrance of your body. And as I eat this bread, I eat healing and wholeness, restoration. In Jesus' name, I declare that by your stripes, I am healed. Amen. Lord, I pray for an outpouring of your healing power right now in every person here, Father God, in their physical bodies, in their minds and hearts, in their relationships, in their finances, in their children, uh, Lord, in their workplaces, oh God. I pray for a release of the anointing, an impartation of your power and your glory, of breakthrough, uh, of restoration in Jesus' name. We just release it today by faith, Lord, and I thank you that you are so faithful and that your word is true. And for all of those that are listening, we release that anointing for healing to flow in the name of Jesus from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. I pray, Lord, for where there's been situations that have been out of control, that have been overwhelming, that have been intimidating, that have been trying to break them or trying to derail them. Lord, I pray that, that you would bring them back onto that safe path that path that you have for their lives, Lord, that you would bring them into that safe place in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we take the cup, we just read there, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, verse 7. This is Isaiah 53. Yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. 
unjustly condemned, he was led away by oppression and judgment. No one cared that he died, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone. But he was buried, and that's what Eileen was just saying there, he was buried like a criminal and was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's goodwill, the Lord's plan to crush him and cause him grief or to suffer. Because when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants or many will be brought to salvation through him. And so we take this cup and we say, Father, Father thank you, thank you. For, sending Jesus. for sending Jesus. He paid the price, paid the price that, I could never pay. that I could never pay. I could never save myself, never save myself. Or, do or do enough good things to be holy and to be made right with you. But because of the blood that Jesus shed, because he never did any wrong, you accepted his sacrifice. His blood atoned for my sins. And I can stand before you today totally washed and cleansed from all sin, all transgression, all iniquity. The curse is broken because I have been restored to my Father through the Lamb of God, Yeshua. I take this cup and I proclaim your death, Jesus, until you come again. Amen. For a wave of healing, Lord, to flow in the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. And pray, Lord, for anyone who's got tightness in their muscles, any kind of tight muscles. I just speak right now for, for a release in the name of Jesus, down through the neck and the back, down into the, the shoulder area, anywhere where there's kind of, 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 of um, any kind of tightness or, or pain. I speak right now for that pain to leave in the name of Jesus. I command all of those muscles to be totally released. All spasms, I command them to stop in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, for any blood disorders. I speak right now for any blood disorder, any infection in the blood. I curse the root of it and I speak for right now a cleansing with the blood of Jesus, a transfusion from heaven, Lord. A spiritual transfusion of your blood. I speak the correct amount of oxygen. I command any blood vessels that have been tightened, even in migraines or, or any kind of um, disease, heart disease or cardiovascular issues, any kind of uh, suffocation of blood vessels. I speak right now those blood vessels to be released in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father. I speak for hands to be to be raised up and loosened out. Any kind of knotting in joints or, or in muscles, Lord. Any kind of damage, any bursitis, any kind of arthritis. I curse the root of it. I command it bound and cast out right now in Jesus' name. I praise you and I thank you, Father. I speak any kind of tightness around people's hips, Lord. I speak those hips to be loosed right now in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you would bring uh, freedom, Father God, in their movement. Anywhere where movement has been restricted, I speak freedom right now in the name of Jesus. I release that anointing. I thank you, Lord, that you are the God of miracles. There's nothing impossible to you, Lord. Oh, Jesus, I thank you that you took it all. You paid the price for it with those, those whippings that you took, Jesus, that beating. Uh, beating after beating, Lord, you took those sicknesses, those, those infirmities. I speak any organs that have any damage done to them, any organs, whether they're eyes or whether they're internal organs, ears, hearing, uh, uh, lungs. I just speak right now for a release into every organ in all of your bodies and in those that are listening. I speak those organs to be a, a recreated miracle right now. I thank you, Lord, for your supernatural power. Oh, Father, I thank you that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by your spirit, oh God. 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for touching them. Lord, I speak into families where there's children that are, that are you know, not following you or where they're, where they're in trouble of some kind, Lord. I just speak right now, Father, for a release and for freedom for those families, Lord. I pray, Lord, for an unraveling of everything where the enemy has knotted up or where the enemy has tried to tie up people or to prevent them from advancing and moving forward. I speak right now those those cords to be severed and broken. And I thank you for doors of opportunity being opened and abundance of blessings. Lord, I pray that you would turn back those children as well. I don't care what age they are, Lord, but you know wherever they've been uh, turned down a road for destruction, I, I pray you would rescue them from evil and perverse men because not all men have faith. And I thank you, Lord, for, for change and breakthrough. I thank you for those those children of, of, of these, your people here, Lord, that, that they will all worship you and serve you. And, Lord, that they will be lights in the kingdom, O oh God, uh, that they will be lights in the dark world, Father, and that they, the darkness shall have no part in them, Lord. In Jesus' name, we praise you and thank you. Your word is true, and you are so faithful, O oh God. I praise you, Jesus. Oh, Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence. I thank you, Lord, for unfolding even in the coming days and weeks, dreams and visions. Lord, that your people will dream and they will... Oh, I thank you for the wind of your spirit, oh God, blowing through this place, blowing through each household, each home, Lord, uh, bringing order back where there's been disorder, where there's been confusion or chaos. Oh God, that you will bring things into divine order in the name of Jesus. This is the year we're in, Lord, and we're in this month of joy. I speak joy to be released. In the name of Jesus, I thank you that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. I thank you for spilling out, Lord. Uh, I just see that, that, that the Lord will bring joyous, uh, joyous rejoicing into your home. In Jesus' name. But you've got to set your mind on it and refuse those negative, destructive thought patterns. Refuse the disaster planning mentality and instead turn to joy and say, Lord, I am so joyful. I am so thankful. And start remembering the things that you can be thankful for, the things he's done for you, where you've seen his hand move on your behalf. Oh, God, forgive us for the times we've forgotten all that you've done. And, Lord, remind us again. Oh, Father, remind us and bring it back, Father God. Show us how you've, you've led us on this road and how you're taking us on. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. I worship you. Thank you for your presence. I thank you for your sweet hands, Father God. Just, I feel the Lord resting his hands upon each one of your heads. And I, I, I sense... You know, the way that a father or a mother will take their, their little child and, and you know, uh, just snuggle them. I, I just thank you, oh God, for the God, for the Lord is a tender father, compassionate and merciful. He knows how weak we are. And I pray, Lord, that you would imbue uh, each one with your strength and your power in Jesus' name. I speak right now, power of God, to flow in your body and even be on you as the day goes on, that you will sense the power of God. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Would you like to close there in prayer, Richard? Oh. I actually wrote it down. I'll read it properly for you. Uh, everything that has been created, God fills everything that's been created with himself. Only mankind has been given the free will, whether God fills him or not, yes or no, to trust him or not to trust him. But every, every single cell, every atom that has been created has been filled with God. And, you know, just to see that in everything you do and everywhere you go, start looking for, for the beauty of God and his hand in it. And it's the same with your work and everything you do. You know, do everything that you do. Do it for the glory of God in Jesus' name. So we just release today, Lord, our tithes and offerings into your kingdom. And we thank you, Father, that you are our 
provider. You're the good shepherd. You've given us everything we need. And Father, help us to see that. And help us to respond, Lord, that, that, we, will, uh, that we will grow from glory to glory. That your hope, Lord, it's Christ in you is the hope of, of, of um, your glory. Lord, we thank you that, that Jesus Christ is living in us and that he's creating hope and joy and, and just vibrant living knowing that you're our good shepherd and that we are safe with you, Father, so we can trust and be still in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you sure? No, I'm loading up. Okay. Good morning, all. Some of you may know that my uncle Teddy passed away uh, two weeks ago now. And I just want to share a testimony about what happened at that time. Um, I suppose it was a Saturday like any other, and you get one of those suddenly moments, and we got a phone call that our Uncle Paddy was taken poorly. He was in a nursing home for over a year, I suppose, and he got a bad turn. And um, so we went to the nursing home because we live right beside it, and we um, entered the room, and, yeah, and sure enough, he was you could say unconscious in the bed and uh, not responding to anything and the ambulance came in here and took him away so we went to Tralee that evening hospital and he was he was um, same way he was not responding he was just thrown in the bed and his eyes were sunk back in his head and um, we went to a homily that evening and uh, the following day after church we went back again and he was still the same way and there was a lot of relations there and things so we said we'd leave Matted and we came way home again and uh, I had no intention of going back again that night that time because I was working the following morning or whatever and it was that night then that I was inside in front of the fire late that night and I got this notion strong notion to go back again and uh, Mag was in another room and I was trying to figure out how was I going to persuade her to come with me <laughs> not knowing that she was inside in the kitchen with the exact same thought how was she going to persuade me because she'd got the same notion <laughs> at the same time so we got together and off we went that night and when we got there he was still the same same position he hadn't moved since non-responding and we settled in there for a few hours and I, st I was half asleep myself in the chair it's like when Meg alerted me that his breathing was after changing that his breathing was getting shorter so sure enough that was the case and um, he um, he was still the same way like and next thing you say now that if I was on my own, I would, having seen this, I'd be thinking after, did I imagine it, or am I exaggerating or what? But when there's two together, you know that what we, we both agreed, what we saw after. Um, he was lying in the bed, unconscious. The next thing, all of a sudden, I won't say he sat up, but he leaned forward completely. And the eyes that were sunk in his head came back to perfection. And he was looking up in awe of what he could see. I, I can only imagine what he could see, but um, he was looking up and like I say, he was back to perfection. And he stayed, he, he never looked at us. He stayed looking up all the time, I, whatever it was, in awe. And next thing, he led back down and he died shortly after, almost straight away after. Now, like I say, we didn't know what he see, but we, we, know, we still know what he saw because it says in the Bible in let's get it right, 1 Corinthians 2.9 1 Corinthians 2.9 I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. I just say it again. I has not seen, nor ear heard, 
nor have entered into the heart of men the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Amen. That's it. So just one other thing as was anybody in Revelation twelve eleven it says that they overcame him, him being the devil, by the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus, and the word of their testimony. So I would encourage anybody with any testimony, big or small, to come forward and say it because the devil wants everybody sitting down quiet and saying you're too stupid or you can't talk properly or they'd be only laugh at you, whatever. But keep giving the testimony. Because it encourages other people. Amen. 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 We never told about it. We never told about it. I knew she didn't know something. No, no. <laughs> she always interrupts. No, no, this is the main part. When, when, the, when the breathing started getting weaker, we started singing. Yeah. And we both had one hand on his chest, and with the other hand raised to the Lord, and we were singing the blood of Jesus. And it was then he got, it was then he, he came alive, and it was then he started. Thank you, Jesus. That was the amazing thing about it. And the, that presence came into the room, you know, his, his breathing was laboring all along, the kind of a rattle, yeah. but the breathing became normal, oh, and yeah. as the singing went on, that, that, that peace in the room was just yeah. undescribable, yeah. and it was, you know, yeah. thank you, right. yeah. Amen. 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 I see. <laughs> I pray this blessing now over everyone in this room, all our families and loved ones, wherever they are, now I'm listening on Zoom. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his shalom, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.